ever stop to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful to be here with and for you today. You are all part of a global community with fellow listeners in literally every corner of the world. Thank you for being here with and for me and for continuing to spread the word to your friends, relatives, and colleagues. A special note of gratitude goes this week to our listeners around the world in the countries of Ireland, Russia, and Switzerland, and in the states of Oregon, Arizona, and Texas. Welcome, and thank you all for your continuing support. Because you keep tuning in and listening, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit continues to be a top-ranked show here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the oldest and most widely listened to online talk radio network. Thank you for listening and making this show successful possible. I love hearing from you, so please keep sending me your questions and comments. My June column in Dallas Yoga Magazine is now available in print and on the web. As Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, I'm answering your questions in my Ask Dr. Paula monthly column. Please click on the Ask Dr. Paula email link on this page to send me your questions. I'll answer them on the air or in the magazine. Just go to DallasYogaMagazine.com to read my June column, Guilt Destroys Your Joy, and for all my previous columns. Although we all carry guilt, this article is particularly helpful to those listening to this show because difficult families usually create a lot of guilt. As always, please let me know what you think. I love hearing What's on your heart and mind. And now for your tip for the week from my ebook, 33 Tips for Self Empowerment. I wrote this book because when you are self empowered, you are connected to your limitless higher self, your soul, as you learn to hear the still small voice within. Over the loud voices of others, you will begin to feel at peace because your limitless higher self has direct access to the divine. It is through this connection that miracles occur like unexpected healing, healthy relationships, peace and wealth. So please use these tips. My tip for this week is in honor of our topic today. Monitor your progress. If you're working on releasing your anger, for instance, ask yourself, is the intensity of my anger diminished? Is the duration of my anger shorter? Is my recovery time faster? Is the amount of time between angry outbursts greater? 
When you're changing a behavior, it's important to notice small changes over time. Give yourself credit for your progress and celebrate your victories. This is especially important when you come from a family where anger was a dominant mode of expression. Changing a behavior that was developed at an early age, whether it's anger or something else, takes a great deal of commitment and patience with yourself. As others have said, healing is like peeling an onion. We do it one layer at a time. When a behavior like anger reemerges, it's important to remember that we are not back at the beginning. It may feel that way, but true progress is never lost. I tell my clients to imagine a measuring stick going from zero to 100% success. They may not be at 100% yet, but they are not at zero either. Change is a process, not an event. So we must be kind to ourselves. We also must realize that the only person we can truly change is ourselves. We can embark on the progress of process of change with the hope that others will notice and choose to join us. But we have no control over the choices they make. We can be an example, but in the end, we must choose to change for our own sake. As one of my spiritual teachers said to me, we come into this world alone and we leave alone. What we create in the middle is our choice. Sometimes knowing our past lives can help us in the process of change. That's why my next workshop is past life group regression. Past lives are often the source of confusing feelings of deja vu, healthy and unhealthy relationships, special talents, gifts, and knowledge, fears and phobias, health problems, and personal challenges. We often spend years in therapy or misery blaming our childhood for our difficulties when the source can be something we brought into this life from another lifetime. Knowing those past influences can create faster and deeper change. With my process, you'll discover what you need to know, keep the positive, and let go of what's hurting you. I was trained by Dr. Brian Weiss, and I use a gentle process in which you always feel safe and in control. Whether you just want to learn more about your soul's journey through different lifetimes or want to heal something in your current life, the information you're ready to know will emerge. In this workshop, you will experience your past lives with my expert guidance, learn new techniques that I have created to help you discover past lives on your own, heal your past, present, and future, connect deeply with your spirit and soul, understand the reasons for your current life circumstances, release the negative influences from your past lives, gain new self-awareness, empowerment, and peace. We'll meet at CSL Dallas, the Center for Spiritual Living at 2 p.m. Looking ahead, my August 19th workshop will be the Am Awakening, Embodying the Divine Feminine. If you don't live in Dallas, contact me to present these workshops 
workshops or another one in your area like overcoming abuse or creativity as self-expression. You can learn more about the importance of past lives by listening to my on-demand shows with Dr. Bernie Siegel, Dr. Dave DeSano, and Lynn Russell. Go to my website, paulajoyce.com, to listen to those shows and register for my workshop, Past Life Regression. Choosing to be positive, choosing to think, see, feel, and act in new and healthier ways is the heart of Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. We all have choices, but we can't make the best choices for ourselves if we don't know what the options are. This show provides you with new information on health and healing with an emphasis on spirituality and the connection between our thoughts, emotions, and physical and mental health. We can all choose happiness, gratitude, abundance, love, peace, positivity, as we allow ourselves to know the truth of our own experiences and feel the pain of our past or present life and let it go. We open ourselves up to the joy of being fully alive in every moment. We change the energy in our body and literally become younger and healthier, feel lighter and have more energy. We truly know and feel the joy, beauty, and love in our lives. My show helps you do that by providing you with new information, perspectives, and techniques, inspirational stories, and guests who are thought leaders in their field, like our guest today, Eric Maisel, who will talk with us about overcoming your difficult feeling, families, and feelings. Last week's show with Steve Taylor on spiritual awakening was fascinating. He made some complex ideas seem simple. He describes what some call enlightenment as merely wakefulness, and he believes that we as a human race are undergoing a collective awakening. We are shifting into a more expansive state of consciousness where we feel a stronger connection with nature and with other people, more inner peace and calm and increased compassion. I like to think of it as becoming lighter. For me, the heaviness, worry, and fear that used to dominate my life are virtually gone. Colors feel brighter, and I pay more attention to gratitude and beauty than I do to potential problems. I still look both ways before I cross the street, but the gloom and doom that I grew up with are gone. To listen to this show, I encourage you to click on the episode link on this page. For more shows on this topic, please listen to our December 1st show last year with Wendy Garling and our shows this year on February 9th with Linda Johnson and March 2nd with Jason Gregory. You can hear these shows or any others that you may have missed or want to listen to again. That's the beauty of having the shows on demand. You have easy access anytime day or night, allowing you to listen when it fits your schedule or needs. Some people listen when relaxing, sharing time with a loved one, exercising, commuting, in the middle of the night or when needing some hope and inspiration. Whenever it is, I'm here for you. Now it's time for my silver lining story. 
Since my family didn't know how to feel and process emotions in a healthy way, we hung on to everything. The result was that we buried our feelings until they became physical pain. My silver lining is that as I've discovered the emotional sources of my physical pain, I've been able to let go of the chronic and acute pain that I've felt most of my life. We have a societal belief that pain is natural and unavoidable, especially as we get older. I've experienced the exact opposite. As I've gotten older, I've been able to release my pain. Having learned how to do it for myself, I can now do it for my clients as well. Giving that gift to others is my biggest silver lining. Let me give you a few examples from my life and my clients. My headache started at the age of nine. After numerous doctor appointments, it was decided that the problem was an astigmatism and that I needed glasses. I wore glasses for that condition for almost 50 years before I discovered that I rarely need glasses. And when I do cheap over-the-counter reading glasses with a simple magnification are sufficient. Meanwhile, my headaches persisted until quite recently when I was able to let go at the deepest levels of my family's fears. One client was in so much pain that he was unable to enjoy a normal life. When he would go out, the pain would get so bad that he would have to go home. His drawings and writings identified the causes of the physical pain as being the result of a family history of emotional and psychological abuse. Gradually, he began to engage in more activity and rediscovered some of his childhood joys. His favorite technique to release the pain is to breathe in pink light for emotional healing and breathe out his pain in the color gray. When he said he hadn't cried over the sadness of his own situation, that of other close family members, or even the death of loved ones, it became obvious that he had never learned how how to allow himself to feel, cry, and let go. In this situation, I often suggest watching a sad movie or reading a sad book. Sometimes it's easier to identify with someone else's emotional pain than with our own. The best ideas, however, came from his cranning and writing as we worked with my creative problem-solving process. When he discovered he had avoided his sad feelings by working, he chose to look at old pictures and remember the people and experiences that he had been trying to think about that he had been trying not to think about. With time, the tears began to flow and more of the physical pain began to ease. We are still uncovering more of the hidden information that keeps him from releasing all the pain. The good news is that now he's engaging in life, optimistic and on the healing journey. Another client would regularly feel a heavy crushing pain in her chest, especially in the middle of the night. When we use my creative problem-solving process, to discover the hidden cause of her pain. Her drawings and writing connected the pain to her childhood fears. Her father was a domineering and scary man who was prone to yelling. She grew up in fear of him and had no support from her mother. Although he is dead now, her brother exhibits the same behavior. He alternates between yelling at her and ignoring her. She's learning how to let herself feel the pain of her childhood and present and now understands who 
her family is. Despite her attempts to bring peace and harmony, chaos and abuse and a lack of communication still dominate. As she accepts the truth, she's able to create more peace for herself and even chooses not to engage in family events that she knows will be painful. Her crushing chest pain is gone and she has also experienced a releasing of pain from the arthritis in her hands as she continues to continuously feel and let go of the pain she held on to for almost 60 years. It is never too late to choose health and happiness for yourself. Our guest today, Dr. Eric Mazel, understands this. He is a retired family therapist, a creativity and life coach, and the author of more than 50 books, including his latest one, Overcoming Your Difficult Family. He writes the Rethinking Mental Health blog for Psychology Today and the Coaching the Artist Within column for Professional Artist magazine. Eric has been quoted or featured in a variety of publications, including Martha Stewart Living, Red Book Glamour, Men's Health, and Self, and lectures throughout the world. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. If you want to get uplifting messages between shows, please click on the link to like us on Facebook. In addition to posting all our shows, I post special uplifting messages to you, and I repost videos that will make you laugh, feel good about all the kindness in the world. Fill your heart with the beauty of nature and animals, the delight of dance and music, and the joy of being alive. With all the violence, hurtful words, anger, and fear that's being spread, we must find a way to help ourselves stay positive. Only like and follow the people who add positivity to the world. The answer to hate is love. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. As one Facebook friend wrote me recently I love your animal posts Paula Joyce they make my day thanks for sharing beauty and light while listening to the commercials use the link on this page to like us on Facebook then friend Paula Joyce and I'll help you be part of the solution then click on the link to read about and register for my next workshop past life regression or to schedule one in your area, then go to Calendar of Events to see your question for today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Eric Maisel, who will talk with us about overcoming your difficult family. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective. 
From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the life doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I always appreciate hearing from you, my listeners, and as a top-ranked show, when you choose to advertise with me, you reach hundreds of thousands of people. If this interests you or if you want to help sponsor the show or become part of the conversation today, please call 888 888- Three four six nine one four one or email drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. I value you and what you have to say, so please let me know what's on your mind and heart. And I hope you wrote down what feelings you haven't wanted to face yet. I'm so pleased to welcome Eric Maisel, who will talk with us about overcoming your difficult family. Welcome, Eric. It's so good to have you on the show. Hi, Paul. It's lovely to be with you. Thank you. I was wondering if you would begin by telling us how this topic of um, difficult families became of interest to you. Well, I started out as a family therapist quite a while ago, more than 30 years ago, probably 35 years ago now. But there was a point when I stopped believing in in the therapy model. I didn't believe that I was diagnosing and treating mental disorders. I felt that I was helping folks with problems in living. So I moved out of therapy and I did individual coaching with creative and performing artists for a long time, the last 30 years. So I've been involved with individuals for the last 30 years and in a way I sort of lost my roots around family therapy. But the more that I worked with individuals, I realized the extent to which family still mattered to them and still affected them. And then I became very interested in the mental health advocacy movement that doesn't believe in the diagnosing and treating mental disorder model. And as I became interested in that, I saw how many millions of kids were requiring these labels, oppositional defiant disorder or attention deficit disorder labels, and being treated as if they had some individual pathology when, in fact, the whole family had the problem. So that reminded me that I'd best go back to thinking about families as the source of so many of our individual problems. We're in this age of individual pathology where folks think they've, they've caught something, caught the mental flu, caught the depression flu, caught the anxiety flu. 
when in fact what's going on inside of us is contextual and circumstantial and has a lot to do with the family we may be residing in. I love what you're saying, and as somebody who started out as a teacher and I taught everything from remedial reading to gifted English and also had a specialization in learning disabilities, I came to believe exactly what you're saying, that children who we labeled learning different or um, attention deficit disorder or whatever, that how can you concentrate if somebody's yelling at you all the time at home are you supposed to come to school and turn everything off and somehow become an A student and and so we were disconnecting and we still do as educators what's happening at home from what's happening in the classroom so I love that you connected the dots and, um, and as a life coach I also appreciate that that's the approach that you're taking yeah, I think I think it's. Uh, I would use the word tragic for what's going on with kids today. They're pressured by educators, by principals and classroom teachers, because they, the principals and classroom teachers, are being brainwashed about this model, about the individual pathology model. So parents, therefore, are under a lot of pressure from the schools to have their kids receive a diagnosis and go on what I would call chemicals, not medication, because to call something medication, you need an underlying illness. And these aren't underlying illnesses. These are behavior differences or developmental delays or family pressures, but not underlying illnesses. So we have these millions of kids taking chemicals, taking very often multiple chemicals, and something needs to be done about all of that. Uh, I I agree with you 100% because what we're doing is drugging our kids to make them compliant and fit some mold as opposed to looking at what's their pain, what's going on that's causing the behavior, and let's look at how we can help them solve those problems so that they can change the behaviors. Yeah, and this is, this is actually getting worse rather than better. Uh, the big pharmaceutical companies, of course, have billions of dollars to spend on promoting their point of view. And because they're excellent at lobbying, Congress passed maybe a couple of months ago, time flies, maybe it's more like three or four months ago, a terrible bill, allocating billions of dollars to primary care physicians to help them now predict mental disorders in children and start medicating kids before there are any signs of anything. (gasps) So we're going to have this new wave of chemicals for kids. The the kids may be perfectly fine, showing no behaviors of any sort, but because both parents maybe acquired a clinical depression label somewhere in their lives, now the child is quoted risk for depression and ought to be put on chemicals early. So this wave or trend is coming. And it's yet another thing we have to watch out for if we have our, our watchdog eyes on. This is another thing we have to watch out for. Parents are going to be under new pressure to start having their kids go on chemicals when their kids are not showing any signs of anything. 
Oh my gosh. And and we revere doctors and especially if you're not well educated. I mean, I learned at some point that, you know, I had to ask the questions and take charge of my own life um, and, and choices to take medication or surgeries or whatever or not. Um, and I'm so grateful I usually chose not and, and instead chose to find the source of the problem and get rid of that so that the illness or diagnosis disappeared. But most people don't have that kind of belief system. They assume the medical profession knows everything. Well, yes, I may be more of an advocate of Western medicine than you are, perhaps. But the thing is that psychiatry is in medicine. So I think one could be for Western medicine and and be for all of the advances that Western medicine, I think, has proven and still not be for psychiatry because there's no medicine going on in psychiatry. There are no tests. There are no medical tests for anything. There are just transactions. I come in, I say I'm depressed, and you say I'm depressed, and you write a script, and that takes about a minute. Kind of the proof that this is what's going on is that the average time a psychiatrist spends with a new patient has reduced to 15 minutes. What can go I, on in 15 minutes except some kind of checklist where I say, I've got something, and you say, yes, you've got it, and you start writing a prescription? So I think that's the proof that medicine isn't going on, is that there are no tests for it, and it takes virtually no time for you to, so to speak, diagnose me. That isn't real diagnosis. That's just a labeling game. Well, and and not an attempt to help people really heal and better their lives. It's more fooling their bodies into thinking that everything's okay. And and I've had clients, as I'm sure you've had, whose psychiatrists actually refused to do therapy and would only write a prescription even when the client wanted help. Yeah, that's happening more and more. And and. Folks listening may not know all of the distinctions among psychiatrists and psychologists and psychotherapists and family therapists, etc. There are probably a dozen brands of psychotherapists, but even the ones who aren't psychiatrists, that is, even the ones who aren't medical doctors, still typically buy into the model and need to provide a diagnosis to be reimbursed for insurance purposes. So even the non-medical professionals like the kind of highfalutin language of believing that they have patients rather than clients and that they're doing something that looks pseudo-medical even though they've had no medical training whatsoever. So I don't want to lay this all at the feet of psychiatrists or pharmaceutical companies. I think all mental health professionals are colluding a bit in this labeling game. So seeing the problems from a broader perspective, if, um, if people listening are like me and grow, grew up in a very dysfunctional family, and actually when I look at your list of kinds of difficult families, I could check every box. And so. That's right. <laughs> So what do we do? Where do we begin? How do we seek help? What kind of help do we seek? Well, 
I provide um, a kind of toolkit of eight skills in the book, and I know it's a lot for people to do. As you know, it's hard for people to do eight things, hard for people to do one thing to help themselves, but certainly hard to do eight things. But these eight skills, uh, the eight skills are being smart and being strong and being calm and being clear and being aware and being courageous, being present and being resilient. We all know those are common sense skills to acquire, yet most people haven't really upgraded their personality to the place where they're really good at these eight things. But to use the the family therapy model or the systems model, if you were to work on any one thing, any one of those skills, just get a little smarter about what's going on in your family life or maybe get a little more courageous about standing up for yourself and making sure that your life is a little safer, if you were to do any one thing, that affects the whole system and that affects your whole personality. That makes you more like the person you want to be. So I guess the short answer would be do something. Do something in the service of becoming the person you would like to be, comma. And probably the top something is just to become aware of how family life affects you and what changes you want to make typically in your own mind and in your own behaviors because we can't control other people. Um, Exactly. And I think sometimes uh, what we don't talk about enough is that sometimes we can do all of these things and become that better person and yet still have a dysfunctional family that um, makes it very painful to be present with. Very painful, and and sometimes we have to avoid family members. I think everybody knows that. But at the same time, we we don't want to get too lonely and isolated and alienated in life, which probably means that we need other kinds of relationships. We have to create family. Maybe we find it out of peers or friends, or maybe, maybe we work well with our mate and we have this little subversive unit of two that um, inoculates us um, against the the bigger family systems. But at any rate, it is the case that we can't change other family members. However, by coming at the situation, whatever the family situation is, by coming at it maybe a little more calmly and a little little more lovingly and even geographically in a different place, meeting with a sibling at the beach rather than in the same old places, Sometimes we can affect some change, so I wouldn't want to paint the bleak picture that family life can't change. However, if it doesn't change, we need to notice that it hasn't changed and make sure that we're safe and make sure that we find relationships elsewhere. Um, exactly, and I'm I'm going to ask you what I think is probably one of the most challenging situations, and that is if you have a child who is abusive towards you or um, spews anger or fits some of these um, negative family dynamics, and, uh, you know, what do you do in that kind of situation? especially if the child is now an adult and you want connection with um, grandchildren and the larger family unit. There actually are, I didn't realize this till I I became um, editor for Parent Resources at Madden America, which is a big website. And in that role, I began to learn about resources that are out there that I had no idea about. And there are resources for parents whose children are abusive, whose adult 
children are abusive. There are programs that teach you new skills. So I would say, number one is to maybe poke around the Internet. Unfortunately, I don't have it in my mind what the, the names of the programs are. But if you go to Madden America and look up my parent resources, you'll find information on this. So one thing is to just get better at protecting yourself. Another is to take to take the issue seriously. Because our children are with us forever from, from the beginning, we keep thinking that maybe it is, whatever it is, maybe it's a phase. And at some point, we have to realize that it's not a phase. This is now our child's formed personality. And we have to deal with our child as if we understand that this is our child's formed personality. So we have to take it seriously. We have to keep ourselves safe. There have to be consequences to our child's actions. We've known this, you know, since the beginning of raising children, that there have to be consequences to actions, including that we may have to, even though we would like to have a loving relationship with our child, we may have to keep our distance and then grieve the lack of that relationship. Um, I, I, I love the way you said that. I think it was beautifully stated and so important that there is, there can be sort of this in-between where you don't disconnect completely, but you disconnect enough that you keep yourself safe. You don't open a door for negative interactions by minimizing the interactions. Yeah, and I, I, I try to train clients to, to say things in an affirmative, brief, and clear way, simple ABC little model. And sometimes what I ask them to do is, is to practice utterances that are just five or six or seven words long. Because when we start to have clauses with lots of commas, that probably means we're you know half apologizing and half disguising what we're trying to say and what have you. So in, in this kind of situation, the thing that a parent may have to say is, this is not okay, with a real mm. period, rather than lots of disclaimers about, you know, I still love you, and la, 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 and la, 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 but, but get the real sentiment out with a strong period. This is not okay. That might be the whole thing that a parent says to a child in an interaction without any more words, so that that message can be really clearly communicated. I would say that that, that makes the message communicated heart-to-heart rather than being about a lot of verbiage and intellectual stuff and words. If you were to say, this is not okay, period, and leave the room, I think a child has to hear that. Uh, Thank you for adding and leave the room. And we're about to go to break, but I've also discovered that sometimes on the phone you have to say because then the child will come back with some comment because they'll use anything if they really are committed is that um, I'm hanging up now. This conversation is over. And then um, so if you can't leave the room, you can hang up. Up before you get yourself embroiled in one of those angry, dysfunctional interactions. And that's hard to do, but essential, as you say, we have to learn to keep ourselves safe. 
I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. While you're listening to the commercials, click on the link to sign up for my newsletter. You'll receive the information on all our shows and the chapter on my ultimate creative problem solving from my best-selling book, which will help you release hidden fears and blockages to hearing your soul, your true self, your inner wisdom, healing at deep levels, and getting what you truly want in life. This process came to me in that space that Robert Moss talked about between sleeping and waking. It was a gift from the spiritual realm that helps my clients align their conscious and unconscious minds and move forward with ease and speed. They change from the inside out, creating lasting change and self-empowerment. Now in your paper, write down what you're going to do to cope better with your difficult family. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Dr. Eric Maisel, who will talk with us more about overcoming your difficult family. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. And I hope you wrote down what you're going to do to cope better with your difficult family. And I'm so glad we're here with Dr. Eric Maisel talking about this very topic. It's so important. And I think maybe, um, Eric, it would be helpful to give people some clarity on the kinds of families that you're talking about, because I think sometimes 
growing up, if it's all we know, we think it's normal and we don't even think about it as maybe being difficult or dysfunctional. It's just the way things are. So how do we learn to even see um, what's going on? Well, in the book, I describe 10 types of families. And as you said at the beginning in your own life, you could have checked all 10 boxes. And, and I think that's the truth, that I don't mean these categories to be perfectly discreet or different one from another. Most families are have blended problems. But I did think it was useful to think about whether your family was maybe more of a sad and anxious kind of family or more of a loveless and distant kind of family or more of a kind of warring and divided kind of family. So I described these 10 families, and I think it's useful for folks to think about maybe what the main flavor of their family might have been. And whatever that is, then you kind of know what your challenges might be. If you grew up in a sad and anxious family, it just doesn't it just seem likely that, that you're going to be a little sadder than the next person and a little more anxious than the next person just by virtue of having all of that energy communicated to you over years, in which case, knowing what to do about sadness rather than going down the clinical depression and chemical place, but knowing what to do about personal sadness and knowing good anxiety management skills those two, those two things are bound to help you. So as I say, by taking a peek at these 10 family types or styles, identifying maybe which is the one closest to the one you grew up in, that will help you understand which challenges you've probably been facing all of your life, maybe without even quite knowing it. Um, and, and then all of the skills that you talk about are relevant to develop for yourself regardless of which family type you grew up in? Sure. So let's just take one skill, the skill of strength. It, how strength is going to manifest is probably going to be different if you grew up in a sad family or a loveless family or a roaring family, etc. For instance, if you grew up in a loveless family, the, the strength that you may have to manifest is the strength to love. Love, it does not necessarily come naturally. It's something we may have to work at and almost discover in us, find in us, and manifest. So if you grew up in a loveless family, you may discover that, like so many people in this society, you're living a too dispassionate, too incurious, too loveless life yourself, and you may need to find the strength to find the love in you and share it. It can be scary to be loving if all you've experienced is lovelessness in your life. So a skill like strength will look different depending on the, on the kind of challenge you're facing. Well, even to know what love feels like. So, uh, you know, I grew up with so much anger and um, abuse and control that I thought that was love. And so even... Um, you know, things get confused in our minds because we assume that what that our parents must love us. I mean, they had us yep. there, you know, so so we get um, things get mixed up in our mind. And, and, yeah, how and that's, does, that's, go ahead. That, that's why I have uh, I have ceremonies in all the chapters. I believe in ceremonies and, and what I mean by ceremony is just sort of carving out 
a little piece of a day to do something with some presence and some poignancy. And so in, in what we're talking about here, the ceremony might be just to try to visualize or feel what love might feel like, just to quietly sit and just ask yourself or feel through or visualize what does is, what is loving really look like and feel like, as opposed to romantic literature or what I see in the movies or what I saw in my family, but what, what comes up in me from my own heart as to what loving would feel like. So I think that there are ceremonies to engage in for, for all of these skills and all of these challenges that can help at least a little. Um, I I love that because um, the you know movie ending doesn't necessarily match real life, and so to to understand and to begin with what would feel like love to me that that's a beautiful idea. It comes up in other ways for me when I when I work on life purpose and meaning issues with clients or when I write about them, um, I often ask folks to think about what, what has actually been felt meaningful in your life, not what ought to have felt meaningful. Maybe that you know seven-year PhD program was supposed to feel meaningful but didn't feel meaningful at all, whereas holding your child's hand crossing the street may be exactly the sorts of experiences that felt meaningful to you. So I think one could work on love in the same way. What what actually felt loving in your life? Was it, again, holding your child's hand? Or what felt loving? Once we realize what felt loving, that's great information about how to be loved in life. We, we In a certain sense, we just get to repeat those experiences that felt loving because we'll probably continue to feel loving. That's beautiful. Uh, I'm also curious as to uh, when you grow up in a family, which I referred to earlier, that doesn't know how to feel and process emotions, um, like a sad family that just holds on to that sadness and doesn't know how to let it go. How? What do you recommend to help people begin to shift into um, allowing themselves to feel, and how do they then, more like you were talking earlier, you said with the child who you can't have the loving relationship. You said mourn that that that's an easy word to say, but how do you yep. do it if you don't know how? Yeah, well, there are, there are lots of things to say there, of course. Um, I, I do believe in cognitive solutions to some problems, or rather being smart about one's cognitions. And the way I say it is the first thing to do is think thoughts that serve you. Um, that's different from thinking true thoughts or false thoughts, because there are lots of true thoughts that don't serve us. If you're a writer and you go into a bookstore and you see lots of books there, you may say to yourself, wow, there are a lot of writers and that's a true thought, but that may not serve you. That may prevent you from writing by noticing how many writers there are out there. So one piece of the puzzle, puzzle of getting to emotional well-being is to set the bar at the high, high place of only thinking thoughts that serve us. And the cognitive therapist teaches a simple three-step process of noticing what you're saying to yourself, 
and then disputing those utterances that don't serve you, and then substituting more affirmative talk. So I would say that that one chunk of the work of dealing with sadness or relationships that aren't working or what have you is the cognitive piece of really noticing what you're saying to yourself and at least supporting yourself by your language and by the way you speak. I think that's really powerful. And we um, talk a lot on this show about the power of thought and changing our thoughts to change our lives. So I thank you so much, Eric, for joining us and for sharing your deep knowledge and wisdom. And I encourage people to go to your website, ericmazel.com, for more information. Thank you and wishing you well and joy with your twin grandchildren. Have a beautiful day. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Uh, And I thank my audience for joining us for Uplift Your Life Nourishment of the Spirit. If you enjoyed today's show, please click on the link to like us on Facebook. Then click on the link um, to purchase Eric's new book and go to my store to purchase my books. Then learn about my services, including coaching, speaking, hands-on healing, remote healing, past life regressions, or to sponsor one of my experiential workshops, such as Overcoming Abuse, 21 Steps for Healing the Body, Finding the Silver Linings. And if you mention this show, you get a 10% new client discount on my coaching, which I do in person over Skype or on the phone. When you work with me, you get support, guidance, and healing from the spiritual realm. The archangels, angels, and guides of a high and positive spiritual nature work through me and also directly with my clients. My process helps you remove hidden blockages and connects your mind, body, and soul, resulting in faster progress and profound healing emotionally, mentally mentally and physically. My private and corporate clients improve their finances, health, and relationships. Click on the link to contact me and see for yourself. Then click on the link to register for past life regression workshop or schedule one in your area. Um, If you live in Dallas, I invite you to experience my ultimate creative problem-solving process. Just click on the meetup link on this page. Please join us next Thursday right here when Jennifer Gale will talk with us about healing through astrology, geometry, and sound. July 6th when Jude Curavan will discuss consciousness is what we are. And July 13th when Nan Russell will talk about results at work and in life through self-management, not time management. This is Dr. Paula, your CM or chosen mom is designated by Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. All is loved. Just let that feeling wash over you and through you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until then, have a positive week.